the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning, everyone. Back in the saddle, Saturday morning, 710 KNUS. We are Denver Stocks, Denver Stock Station on a Saturday. And 60 will be the high today. Tomorrow, 63. This may be a motorcycle afternoon, but tomorrow will be a motorcycle day. Monday, 65 degrees. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. Uh, I've been talking off and on about this book since I, I guess, I guess I got, it, I got it about three or four months ago. It was in advance, and the title of the book is Starkweather. And as a little kid growing up in Pittsburgh, I somehow really do remember uh, America being in fear, and this guy's on a killing spree, and as uh, Harry says, he changed America. And his name was Charlie Starkweather. And he had a young woman traveling with him, his 14-year-old girlfriend, possible accomplice. Her name was uh, Cheryl Ann Fugit, if you remember that name. And they're in a house on the edge of Lincoln, Nebraska. And they drove to the nearby town of Bennett when the farmer was robbed and killed. And they went all the way into, actually into Wyoming. The National Guard was patrolling the streets. It's a cultural version of sort of PTSD and the town suffered from all of it. So Daryl Luby, who we worked together for a 1,000 years, um, I was telling uh, Daryl talked many, many times and when we, way before this book arrived and talked about when he was a little kid growing up and when Starkweather was out there and how it frightened uh, him and his family and his mom hid them. And so it really it took um, – there was 10 people were dead – and uh, the city of Lincoln was in, in a state of terror. The schools closed and men with rifles on the roofs of their homes and the NGs patrolled the street. And as, as Harry says, a cultural version version of uh, PTSD. And Starkweather was captured in, in Wyoming. And um, the, it, it's the... Um, the film Natural Born Killers. The the event would serve as an inspiration for Natural Born Killers, Springsteen's great album, Nebraska. But one of the things that comes from this that I, and I'll, when Harry gets here, James Dean, uh, the actor James Dean, began to model himself after Charlie Starkweather. And you can see it. He's got a few pictures in here of what Charlie Starkweather looked like. And you can see the James Dean character emerging from this, uh, the rolled hair, the dangling cigarette, and uh, James Dean is knocking him off. So Starkweather, he'll be here in the 10 o'clock. We'll spend a long time with him. Why do we have all these lights lit, you guys? It looks like the phones are all lit up. Something that doesn't matter? Okay, let it go. All right, 710 KNUS. Next week, we'll spend uh, almost all of the show on the uh, Kennedy assassination, which has always been in an intriguing moment for me, so that's the pending week. Uh, like listening to so much talk radio and uh, listening to the the talk about what's taking place in the Middle East, 
I thought what would be an interesting question to bring on the air that in some ways would be away from all the all of the talk that I've listened to one way or the other. And what, in, in, as you could explain it, what's the Israel-Palestinian conflict about? Is there a simple answer to this? Uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has claimed now tens of thousands of lives and displaced millions of people, and its roots are where? Uh, Israel declaring war on Gaza after that horrible attack by the Palestinian group Hamas on, on, the, on that Saturday. The world's eyes, again, sharply focused on, on, on what the next event will be. But I thought I'd bring this on the show. Uh, what happened in the Middle East in the past and what has helped it been so destabilized as we go now? So if... Um, if one of your neighbors knew nothing at all about what had taken place or what is taking place, how would you explain, and I don't want to say in, in, as a simple, in simple terms because that's impossible, but the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, it's killed tens of, tens of thousands of people, we're talking about over time, has displaced millions of people, and its future lies in its past. We've talked about that notion of history. So how would you, how would you tell it? And how, I'm serious question, 303-696-1971. How would you explain the Middle East conflict? I'm, I'm interested when I listen to a lot of talk radio or watch television, I, I watch the uh, tail, tail end and I watch the repeat of the Republican Party debates. Um, and I thought they were childish. I thought they were when they went down the row. Each, I guess, each potential candidate wanted to to be out what out out bloodier than the one before, and words were used like "wipe them out" and "I, I end it." I I thought in that movie. It's, is it, is it's, it's the one that uh, Tombstone and the Earps are leaving town and one of the Earps is dead and one has been shot and Wyatt's leaving town. They're taking their family out of town. And on the porch is uh, Curly Bill Broach. It's Cur Cur Curly Bill. Ike Clanton's in the street and I think Johnny Ringo's standing there. And they make some snide remarks to the Earps. And then Curly Bill says, finish it. And that leads to that, what happens in the train yard at night. But he says, finish it. And I watch these group of people that all seem to want to be the next president of the United States. And the answers were, wipe them out, kill them. I told Bibi, you know, it's not the answer. <laughs> it's like, it truly isn't. And when I was driving in, I listened to... Uh, Jimmy played that cut from Elon Musk. And, and it's true. If you read the Pentagon Papers, one of the conclusions that they came to was you just can't beat a birth rate. And all of this that's going on now will only lie for another decade or give or take, and we'll do it again. And I said to someone the other day in a conversation, I said, there, can you give me the example 
of they're, they're called wars of national liberation, protracted guerrilla war in the third world. Sometimes it's called. There's been study after study after study after study done. Can you name one time where the colonial power, the main influence, was able to hold the seat, was able to keep the country, was able to keep their their troops there and keep them in charge? I just started a really, really remarkable book called uh, Tokyo Trials. And the um, everything most of us know a little bit about Nuremberg or what happened at Nuremberg. But what happened in Tokyo? And again, it was this, this great influence of the people who were replacing the people who the Japanese were trying to drive out. And it, it's a really in-depth book. And I, I can't... I can't, I can't wait to get this guy on the show to have him talk. But, you know, who replaces whom? So if anyone thinks that this can end, I, I, I'm not sure that it's true. Or how does a, can you name a third world protracted, as they call them, war of national liberation, where the, the, the first world, world power stays? And particularly after the First World War, that's really where, Everything really, when people had gone off as uh, colonial soldiers, uh, sub-Saharan Africans, Saharan Africans, Indians, Pakistanis, and others, had gone off. And they, they fought for the British or they fought for the French, only to come back and have suppression begin again. All right, I see one clicking. We go to Matt. Hey, Matt, thank you for calling the radio show, and good morning. Hey, Peter, I'm so grateful you asking this question. Now, here's the tricky part about what you're asking, describing what's going on in the violence. You're talking about those Republicans debating the other night. Yes. And it was awful. They Horrible. are war-hungry, bloodthirsty, oh, disgusting. But, but here's where I don't understand you, Peter, is you're also very public with your distaste for Donald Trump, who's the only one who doesn't have any interest in these wars. And so what you would tell your neighbor is that we've been having tremendous violence all over the world since the beginning of time. Africa, the Middle East, it doesn't matter. One thing we learned in 2023 is that America has no business sending my daughter, my money to places all of the, over the world, a la 20 years and $2 trillion in Iraq and Afghanistan, what you'd tell them is that well, this was the moment we jumped over the fence, Peter. We're well, not getting involved right. let's, in let's, let, let's, let's exchange. First, Donald, Donald Trump wasn't in office when this happened. So you, you don't know what Donald Trump would or would not do. And we can't. Okay. And so put that away. Um, sure. The question is, what is this about? And... But the, the better better question, with apologies, is can it end or how does it end? Great question. And you know how it ends? The United States not meddling. Mm. The United States is it's inc- inconceivable, though, Peter, that we could be asked to be involved in everything. You have an invasion at the southern border. You have eight and a half, nine mm. million new friends. Agreed. You have poor people that can't stay indoors now, Peter. We've not prioritized what we can do to help. So when we step over our own homeless, Peter, to go race to Israel or race to Ukraine or mm. race to wherever the next crisis is, yeah. what does that say about our leadership well, in America? I was with some friends who were in the, uh, well, Alan Samuel from Machine Gun Tours. They can't, they, honest to God, cannot get ammunition, military grade, 5.56, five, or, you know, all the different 
grades of uh, military weaponry, the ammunition. It's gone. It's it's either gone. I said, where is it now, Alan? He said, well, it's going into the Middle East. and uh, Or before that, it went to the Ukraine. When when I listen to talk radio, quote, unquote, and people jumping up and down about the role of the uh, – saying, well, the Iranians are in on it. Well, yes, and the Russians are in on it. Yes, but what role have – have we played in in Ukraine and in Russia? We've been that guy on the other side of the fence. And so now they're on the other side of the fence, and they're the biggest you-know-what's in the universe, but not, nothing at all about what Joe Biden has been doing in Ukraine. And people don't get there's a global, there's a global conflict here. Yeah. And I, 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 the, the, once again, the... Uh, the, t- the role of talk radio, but uh, what? What? Come, let me come back full circle. What do you think this conflict is all about? U.S. meddling and instigating. Because why? Think about this. Think about what we're not talking about, Peter. And I'm going to respect you enough to say oh. I know that you won't discuss the 2020 election. Let's set it aside. Yeah. But besides that, we have a COVID issue still that we haven't dealt with. We have an invasion of our southern border. We have inflation. That's what I try to tell you is our poor people, they are, they've never been worse off. Our, our homeless communities have never grown at this rate ever at all. And so what does the U.S. do a wonderful job of? Let's distract from our inefficiencies, and I would say demonic inefficiencies, to step over our poor people to help people in another nation. If you've seen the nightlife in Kiev, Peter, it really irritates you that we're yeah. doing what we're doing over there yeah. because they're thriving in Kiev yeah. on a downtown yeah. center right now. That you know you've seen those images. And there's no, oh. I think there's perhaps one of the great corrupt governments existing in the world today. Yes. They're Ukrainians. Oh, my God. And so what are we doing, Peter? What on earth yeah. are we doing that's, sending my I, daughter, my money, I your agree. money, I, your grandchildren to then, fight for a homosexual running Ukraine. No, 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 no the homosexual thing. Let it go, man. Take care. Whoa. Oh, Christian on. values now. Yeah, right. Um, my friends at the Black Eyed Pea, we're going to make a motorcycle run tomorrow morning down to Castle Rock because Steve and Michelle, actually, they serve breakfast in that restaurant. The one That's the one... On, on Saturday, Sunday, they actually, I think, seven days a week, they have breakfast. All the eight locations, there's one near you. So the last time you took your family to eat at a Black Eyed Pea. Thanksgiving will be here soon, and it's easy. Actually, Louie, morning show producer, director, extraordinaire, Louie's going to come to my house to have Thanksgiving with my family this year. Thanksgiving will be here soon, and it's easier to give thanks when you don't have to cook. Black Eyed Peas open for Thanksgiving Day from 10 in the morning till 4, serving all your holiday favorites, roast turkey, mm. old-fashioned country ham, slow-cooked pot roast, 24 bucks. There's a kid's menu. Bring, bring the whole family, save room for dessert, pumpkin pecan pot, cherry cobbler with ice cream. Whoa, Lou. And holiday cater- catering is available if you download the Black Eyed Pea app or go to their website and select Pickup. You can place your order without having to call in. I love everything about this restaurant, and, I, and the, the series is the best. I know you will as well. Let them do the cooking for you and keep it in Colorado. Visit the Black Eyed Pea near you. Uh, break, make. what do we want to do? A few more minutes. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, let's see. It is, oh, go to Tim. Oh, hey, Tim, you're on a radio show. Good morning, and thank you. Hey, Peter. Thanks, man. Uh, 
I forgot what that last spot you did for Black Eyed Pea. You're making me hungry. Hey, um, <laughs> uh, we we as Americans are really uh, nearsighted when it comes to, to to the world politics. We we rarely see beyond our backyard and, and understand the big picture. I'm a 30 year military veteran. I've been overseas. I see how people live. Uh, the Middle East has been a cauldron for thousands of years. That's right. Uh, uh, before World War II, before there was an Israel, uh, Israelites, the the Jews, lived in Lebanon. They lived in Syria. They lived in so, Egypt. Well, they, they lived in Iraq. They what? But again, they lived in Iraq. And, and, at, and at what point the Arabs said, "Get out." So, like, well, I no, think was, I think I, read, I, I think you got to come back even further. That when people talk about the conflict. There seemed to be a series of empires that ran that, whether it was the Romans or the Byzantines oh, so, yeah. or, and all these yeah, different go people. Go back to biblical times. These were nomadic people, and so were the Arabs. There were kingdoms. Well, sure. I mean, uh, you yeah. had uh, King David of the Jews who had a kingdom. By the time the Romans there, they were a defeated people, and they were, you know, more they were very uh, tribal, uh, uh, nomadic, and, and most of the Arabs were at, uh, for thousands of years as well. But after, you know, the, with, with World War II and the Holocaust, uh, the League of Nations prior to the United Nations says we gotta, we've got to do something. So they did. Hmm. And it's, Cautious it's been again. A mess ever since. Cautious again. The, the, uh, the creation of the state comes from out, out of the British Empire as though they had the right to, uh, to, to make that claim. But the, the part about reading, and I'm back reading the Ottoman Empire. And remember, there's Byzantines, and then there's the rise of Saladin, and before that, there's the Romans, and and then and then it ends up as an empire for the British. And uh, really, after the Second World War, it's theirs. But the lies, yeah. the lies that were told, and the money that exchanged—I mean, all these things—and I, I would suspect, and I don't know this, so I would suspect that about 99% of the people that are doing radio shows or writing don't, don't even look back and think, well, where did this come from? And so, and, and you're not going, you're, and better yet, let me throw it to you, but this is a good call, Tim. How does it end? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I tried to do some research the other day of where the Palestinian people came from. Who are they? Where where did they come from? And, I, and it, it's really kind of murky, but sure. uh, you've got fellow Arabs. They're brothers and sisters. I, You know, why can't the, the countries that border Gaza say, you know what, you can have Doesn't this work. parcel, you can have this parcel, well, you can how have about, this parcel. How, how about our, our brothers and sisters in Mexico who all you want to do is welcome them here to the country? What's wrong with you trying to keep them out? Well, we, we have laws. <laughs> no, we no, have- no, no. May, may, look, the Palestinians have played this role. Um, I got to go to the first Desert Storm War, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and in Kuwait City, and I was with a couple, a couple of Kuwaiti guys and great English speakers, and there was this beautiful series of... Um, condominiums there looked like they were brownstones and they were empty and I, I said to one of the guys I said who lives there and he said well it was where the Palestinians lived but when Saddam showed up they sided with Saddam and so when Saddam left they had to go they've always been this 
but they also play the role in the Middle East of they're the physicians, they're the uh, intelligentsia, they're the, the the historians, the writers. The that's the role that the Palestinians play in the Middle East, and it's a role that was played before the Shoah in 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 Europe, where you know Jewish people played that role in Europe, and the Palestinians oftentimes play that role in the Middle East. It's not. I don't think it's as answerable as everybody thinks it it could be or would be. Maybe not, but uh, I would certainly present to the other Arab leaders, listen, mm. if you want to help this, if you want to stop this, then do your part, mm. contribute, uh, provide a, a safe haven, and then uh, mm. let let the chips fall where they may. But I listened, I was listening to this general, listening to Jimmy coming up on the show, and they talked about the Camp David Accords that ended the Egyptian part of this, but... You pay for that. I pay for that. The last fellow was talking about our families. When Jimmy yeah. Carter, when Jimmy Carter brings Begin in there, and what he's done is, you know, it's a wonderful attempt. But Carter sees where there's hardly an Israeli family doesn't have a, a son or a daughter that was killed in a war. The Egyptians, consequently, the same way. So he brings brings Sadat and Begin uh, to Camp David, but he buys the peace. In other words. You are buying the peace. I am buying the peace. When, here I go again, when I was in Egypt, I went to the place where Sadat was murdered. And if you ever watch that video, everybody drops except Sadat. He doesn't know it's coming. The rest of them all do. Because what was Sadat's principal crime? He made peace. What happened to Begin? What happened to Begin? He made peace. So... I, I, I'm, I, all I can do is read and pretend you know, not not truly being able to understand any of it, but it's not simple. No, it's not. It's complicated, and we've got to be cautious. Uh, I don't want to see us get embroiled mm-hmm. in a, uh, You're a, there. A, another major conflict. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, we're literally walking on eggshells. Um, yeah, I agree. It's a day to day. It's a day to day. They're air striking in Syria. They're air striking in in uh, in Lebanon against Hezbollah. Um, I I don't know. It's called a tripwire. Historians call these tripwire wars. World War One was a tripwire. You know, you hit this wire, hit this wire, hit this wire, and somebody's going to hit the big wire. World War Two wasn't, but World War One was, and that's why it ends in the sadness that it does. And, you're you're a great they, great. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. One one quick thing. Uh, World War II was a just cause. That was just. I agree. that was evil. I agree. That was identi- that was identifiable evil madness. Mm-hmm. We were stopping a madman and a corrupt uh, ideology that had to be stopped. Uh, and, w- and was I'm that not- was that the Japanese or the Germans? The Germans, Peter. Okay, but uh, I, I just told you, I just got this brand new book, and it's lengthy, and I, I'm about, I don't know, 100 pages into it. It's called Tokyo Trials. And uh, how, the, how the Japanese, even to this day, and I, it's turned up in a couple of other books. I'm kind of jammed on this time period. But they, they legitimately, if they were not listening or you weren't listening, they'll tell you how that war really, what that war was really about. And, and then the aftermath of all of it. And it, it's, it's a whole new view. I've never read it, never t- looked through 
their eyes before. And, you know, I, I don't have answers anymore by a long shot. Take yeah. care. Ta- I love your call, brother. Take care, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Peter. All right, you're Appreciate welcome. What you do, man. I th- well, let's see what happens next. Temperatures are dropping, and the snow is finally in the mountains, and winter park's open, and I got my pass. I just haven't gone. Uh, the start of the ski season officially arrived, and that's why right now is the perfect time to take your skis and boards for a tune or maybe. And they got such new, better equipment. I was there on Monday. And John Marriott's son, Jack, this this kid's brilliant. And he was showing me new stuff on ski boots as well. Finally, some time to get the new gear and get to the mountain. It's going to be a good year. You owe it to yourself to pay a visit to Larson Ski and Sport, located just south of I-70 on Kipling. So whether you rent equipment or you want to own it, these are our guys. They are absolutely, totally committed to making your ski experience the absolute best. Larson's is so convenient, you can stop on the way up the hill or stop on the way home. They're the big wooden building right next to the Crab Shack, south of I-70 on Kipling. So you're going westbound on I-70, and here comes the Kipling exit. Get off the exit, down the ramp, stay on your left, make a turn, come under back underneath I-70. When you come out the other side, look to the west, look to your right. You see the Crab Shack right next to the Crab Shack. Great big wooden building, Larson Ski and Sports, seven days a week. Paul and the guys, John and the guys, absolute experts, cross-country, snowboards, side whatever you need, whatever you are. Larson Ski and Sports, south of I-70 on Kipling. Web is larsonsport.com. Walk in. You will be blown away. 303-423-0654. 303-423-0654. Ready now, Lou? All right, let's pull the pin. Yeah, only if that were true, right? 710 KNUS on a Saturday morning, 60 will be the high. Tomorrow, sunny, 63, and on Monday, 65. All's right in the world. Coming up, a longtime friend of mine, Harry McLean, with this remarkable book, Starkweather, the untold story of the killing spree that changed America, Charlie Starkweather. It is uh, that moment I want to bring, actually, my favorite on is my daughter, Shannon, and Dr. Jeff, and we have now been, first of all, Shan, thanks for coming back with me, and good morning. Good morning, sure. And Dr. Jeff, good morning, and welcome back to the show. Good morning, Pete. Hi, um, Shannon, how do you do it? We, we, Mel brought us into Dr. Jeff and the HBOT Spa. I have, how many times have you been in the... Uh, I I'm, think yesterday was my 10th time, and... Um, Every single time I go in and come out, I see a difference. I feel a difference. And for what it's doing for me, I feel like I'm in a time machine, and it's just making me look a lot younger. Well, so we're both in in uh, hyperbaric chambers yesterday. And, Doctor, I don't know if I told you this. We get out, and there's a guy that came in off the radio show, and he was a plumber. He was a good guy. And he waited for me to get out of the tank, and then we sat in the hall and talked for a while. There's um Explain in layman's terms, Dr. Jeff, what this experience is about. Yeah, so uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, also known as HBOT, is really the process of us in oxygenating every red blood cell in our body to 100% saturation. And as that circulates through the body, it delivers a better oxygen deliverance to the cells at all levels, whether that's musculoskeletal, neurological, connective tissue, collagen, etc. And it helps 
result in optimal functioning of your cells throughout your body. Really uh, is. Result, <laughs> really yeah, is. Yeah. Is uh, going to have a huge anti-inflammatory aspect as well as increase your cognitive functioning as well as just overall wellness and longevity. What it does in layman's terms or Pete Boyle's terms is it's healing by boosting oxygen delivery to tissues and and uh, and for me after my my fun summer. Um, after how many Shan I've been in ten times now or nine times? I think you're. I'd have to go back and count. You're either at eight or nine. But I, my lungs are better, and I really mean that. I, I saw yeah. my cardiologist on Friday, and Doctor Watt, of course, is a big fan. So it, it is as you get into now. Part of it is getting into the the chamber itself, and I was kind of snake bit about it. But my daughter had done two of them, and I'm thinking, if I'm going to represent these guys, I better get in. And I look forward to it now. It's a time to yourself, you know. It's it it's it really 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 works. Shannon, your your thoughts? Right. So um, I know, Dad. You told me that you're breathing better, you're sleeping better, and even the gentleman that was there last night yeah. with us, it was his first time, and he fell asleep in it. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, I I from talking to the staff there, they said a lot of people do that or. Like me, I will work off my phone while I'm in there and use that hour. Um, I also have watched Netflix. You can just kind of have that hour for yourself and do what you'd like. But the staff there is so great and helpful. And, um, you know, Dr. Jeff and Mel, everybody. And it's just something that I look forward to whenever we get a chance to go. And I know that it's helping my body recover from a horrible medical um, challenge I faced, but every time I go, I see results, and it just makes me want to keep going. You guys, I, we can't sing their praises enough. They're in Cherry Creek North, 303-353-9623. Again, 303-353-9623, and this is the best deal of all. Five visits for 100 bucks. also Christmas giving, holiday giving, uh, it's all theirs. What what do they always say in the blue in the blue backs right now? Operators are standing by, but they are. And visit yep. them online. Um, it's the H Bot Spa. But better yet, just pick up the phone and m- make an appointment. Five five for a hundred bucks, Doc. That's that's a home run. Yeah, you got to use them in a week, but yeah, it gives you a good opportunity to go through that and make an educated decision about getting yourself a package or becoming a member. And much to your point about the lungs, also patient population that should also consider is anybody struggling with post-COVID or long-standing COVID complications of the respiratory system, just to bring that up. It's it's for real. Shanner, last comment? I'm just so grateful and just want to thank Dr. Jeff for what he's doing for yeah. us. Um, I just have been struggling for years trying to get better and feel like this has been a real magic bullet for me. So thank you. And Dr. Jeff, last last comment from you, Dr. Jeff. I think it's a, it's a cutting-edge modality that I'm very easy to fall in love with. As Shannon spoke, it's a pretty relaxing experience. Come check us out. It's the best rate in the country. We look forward well, I, to helping yeah. you achieve your results. I have all these different – this is amazing. People are firing in from the last week. Um, this is aimed, doctor, at you. 
They use they used to use hyperbaric chambers for severe burn victims. I understand. Correct. I understand it's an expensive thing to have done. Could you clarify on what cost? Uh, if you would do that again, please. Yeah. So our membership brings it to essentially fifty cents a minute. If you come in, you can come in up to twenty times a month for six hundred dollar membership. Otherwise, our a la carte packages drop it to about a, just over a dollar a minute. So yeah. that misconception of hyperbaric being unaffordable for everybody is the goal of my practice to help bring accessibility regardless of your bank account balance. And we absolutely still do work with burn patients and accelerate recovery from all kinds of wounds and post-surgery complications with this modality as well. So good question. 303-353-9623. Please, there's uh, there are some folks who are there to answer phones this morning. Take the deal, uh, the hundred buck deal, and just to just to test drive, and it's it works for an old man like me. It works for my beautiful daughter, and I think it works for everybody. So three zero three three five three ninety six twenty three. One more time, Peter. Three zero three three five three nine six two three. You guys, Seattle, see you in a little bit, Doctor. I'll see you next week. Thanks, you guys. All right, guys. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, that really does. I mean, I never would have believed that, but indeed. Uh, where where are we as we speak? We are – we're good. Okay. All right. We'll take Ralph. All right. Ralph's on two. Hey, R- Ralph, you're on a radio show. Good morning, and thank you. Good morning, Peter. Hey, man. You asked a – you asked the question, but I'm not sure anyone's going to like the answer, and I'm not saying that I do. You asked basically when have the colonial powers succeeded against the national liberation mm-hmm. movements. Well, the question that you correctly pointed out is when. I think the last time it was major success was the Three Alls campaign, the annihilation campaign that the Japanese launched in China. Um, but they still, they had, but, but they still lost. Well, they lost because they were fighting the United States, and Russia came into the war. The question basically is: if you have the better, one or two arms tied behind your back, can yeah. you win? Better, better question. All, all I'm saying is, is just let me let me give you okay. Let me give you two statistics. Right. When the campaign started, Mao Zedong had half a million troops. In three years, he had a quarter of a million troops. Now, all I'm saying is not that it's quick, not that it's fast, not that it's nice. But if you go back before World War II to the campaigns of the colonial wars, going all the way back to the Romans, a campaign of extermination does succeed. I disagree. I and I and with Mao, I was going to say, because the answer in what was taking place in the Kuomintang under Chang, as they were un, unbelievably ruthless to their own people and the war, this kind of the time of the warlords and, and Chang. And when Mao and I'm not defending Mao, but they go on the long march and they rebuild and they come back and they win and they, they kick Chang, who was backed by the United States of America, backed by, you know, the, 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 the powerful winners of the Second World War are backing Chang. Chang still loses. Uh, there is not a place after the Second World War where the so-called wars of national liberation 
uh, in the third world. Name the place where the colonial hung on. Kurdistan. Where? Kurdistan. Kurdistan. Remember, let me point okay. something out right. to you. You're making a distinction and saying only colonial wars of European slash Americans. Not at all. Not? Not at all. No. Okay. Think about, let's take Iraq. You got the Shias, the Sunnis, and the Kurds. How did Saddam end up controlling well, Kurdistan? First of all, Iraq, uh, go slowly. Iraq was not a country until after the major screw jobs of the First World War. And, Precisely. And Kurdistan was a standalone. They were under the Ottomans, back to the arguments that I've been making. The Ottomans didn't give a hoot in hell as long as you paid your taxes, didn't step out of line, and they were the Ottoman Empire. The In Baghdad, there was a terrific uh, and very powerful Jewish community in Baghdad. Ottomans didn't care. Uh, and again, we and remember, the Ottomans are Turks. They're, they're, they're not Arabs. And well, I'm not, I know you're, you're not. You're totally correct. I, I, yeah. You're totally correct. And so. But let me point out something. It, it, go ahead. That was before World War II. Your question was after World War II. Yes. During. Yes. Okay. So after World War II, you took the three, uh, what do they call them, the Zemlots hmm? of the huh? Ottoman Empire, yeah. Kurdistan, uh, Baghdad, right. and Basra, and you right. put them together. Right. Okay. Now you have a, quote, new empire under a Hashemite uh, king selected by the British on their way out. He was, the, he was the out card. He was the guy that they didn't know what to do with. And so they, no, I'm serious, it was a heart attack. So they oh, put no, it. He, he, he was T.E. Uh, Lawrence. He was Lawrence's Lawrence, guy. His best friend. That's right. Yeah, That's absolutely. Right. Lawrence no. put him there. And well. But the thing. Go ahead. I don't, Lawrence didn't put him there because by that time Lawrence has left. But they do. The British have this one guy they made promises to, so that he's he's about as related to those people as I am, and they put him on the throne. <laughs> you know, and the the British gassed the Kurds. The British machine gunned the tour, the uh, Kurds from the air. Uh, the same things that people got, you know, so better and rightfully so about what Saddam was doing, or better yet. Uh, what it, what the Soviets were doing, the British did all of that stuff first. They murdered them from the right. air. They gassed them. Um, but but re- take take a look at the timeline very closely. The British did first use of napalm, use of poison gas, hmm. not on the Kurds, but on the Baghdad provinces. That was the one that was in rebellion in the hmm. ni- early okay. 1920s. It succeeded. It put down the rebellion. Now, all I'm saying is, let me give you an example. How many fish do you catch with a fly rod, and how many fish do you catch? Yeah. No, with a grenade. Oh, <laughs> dialing for fish. <laughs> no, I was told by a friend of mine who was who. How shall I say? Went fishing with yeah, no. a uh, yeah. a police well, chief in Peshawar. That's right. And this, uh, all I'm saying is, remember, Mao has this thing about rails are the fish in the sea. Okay, mm-hmm. well, how do you destroy those fish? You take away the sea or you toss but, in a grenade. And Mao, well, there's an old joke about in Arkansas, and uh, 
there's a guy out there who is fishing that way. And so finally the game warden, who is not from there, gets in his power boat and comes alongside and gets in the, gets in the, uh, the old wooden boat that's this guy in Arkansas. And uh, the guy looks at the young game warden, and he pulls out a stick of dynamite, and he lights it, and he hands it to him. And the game warden says, what's this? He said, you want to talk? You want to fish? <laughs> so, Thank you. I'm 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 from Southwest Missouri, so okay. I appreciate that. Yes, and yes, I'm sure it's true. Oh, you want to talk? Or you want to fish? And but yeah. I, first of all, I, I I'm close to a break, and I love your call. I know the the idea of winning has to, and most of it comes back after the Second World War, when these the so-called colonial troops that the French used and. I mean, all these, all these things, the British used them, and all of a sudden, and, and it came true with African Americans in this country. They'd gone off to fight for the freedom of other people, coming back only to find they were denied the vote. They were all the things went, went, went in the Jim Crow South. They were there. And that begins, that's one of the emphases, emphasis on the rise of the civil rights struggle after the Second World War, the Indians, the the Bengalis, everybody said, whoa, 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 hold on. You know, we went off and fought to liberate these countries, and now we still have the white colonial masters. That, that was part of the emphasis of the fight. Also, if you were part of the forces that were fighting against the Japanese, and you were uh, Indonesian or Vietnam, Vietnamese, in Vietnam. Exactly then you became the winners through the struggle. But then what did the, what did the, what did the UN do? It gave the French, who were collaborators, it gave them back what they called Southeast Asia or French Indonesia. The French, had no, French collaborated with, with the Germans and the Japanese, and it was Ho Chi Minh, and they were the Viet Minh then. They fought against the occupation. So the war's over, and Ho and others think, okay, we're getting our country now. Not so fast. The French come walking right back in the front door like they did in Damascus, like Lawrence is sitting watching the French army enter Damascus, and he knows at that point that the British have cut his throat. And the same thing is true. Mm-hmm. These are the people who lived and died fighting, fighting the British. What does the – fighting the British, fighting the Japanese. So what does the, uh, the great UN do? It hands it back to the French. That begins the next war. I got to jump. I love your calls. Thank you. Uh, 710 KNUS Denver's talk station. I'm Peter Boyles. Coming up, and I've been looking forward to this, looking forward to seeing Harry again. The untold story of the killing spree that changed America, Starkweather. And uh, my one of my dearest friends in the business, Daryl Luby, was a young kid growing up. And he had oftentimes, we had talked about when his mother and father, they, they hid people in the basements. And all the stories that Harry captures about uh, guys with rifles on the roofs of their homes and um, the, the National Guard patrolling the streets. And uh, it's been dubbed the um, cultural version of PTSD, Starkweather. 710 KNUS, you ready, Lou? Let's pull the pin. Good morning, everyone. Saturday morning, the 11th of November, 2023, the 11th hour. Remember that? It's 
when the armistice took place in the First World War, 11-11-11, that later then becomes Veterans Day. 710 KNUS Weather Center weather, 60 today, 63 Sunday, and 65 on Monday. Getting a lot of uh, text messaging here. What's the phone number for HBOT? Again, it is 303-353-9623. Again, 303-353-9623. And it's the, um, it's the $100 offer for five treatments. It's good stuff. Uh, okay, we go to Jack. Jack, you waited. Good morning. You're on a radio show. Yes, Peter. Um, there's been an elephant sitting in the room for some time during the uh, attack that Hamas had and, and the uh, counterattack. And I just want to focus on one thing. Netanyahu's arrogant push for power that divided Israel ever since February of this year, the huge demonstrations that took place, the military being in the street, the reservists refusing to go to their jobs, and the Hamas took advantage of that. There's no doubt about it that this kind of an opportunity was one that they were waiting for. Well, okay? So I just want to focus on this. Netanyahu's well, arrogant attempt to maintain power. He was indicted in 2019. Well, I understand the problem. Right, hang on. Let's check. Let's exchange. I understand all of Netanyahu. As a matter of fact, Netanyahu right now, if you read the polling data, is in big trouble right now uh, for exactly what happened. And the, the the battles that have taken place, for instance, about the at the mosque and all these different things, these are ongoing moments. What I personally believe is that what took place in October was the Tet Offensive in February of '68. They they went to die, and they went to do as much horrible damage as they could, and they they accomplished all of that. And now it's back, and it's in Gaza. And Gaza City looks like Berlin in 1945, and the world is now turning against the Israelis. Um, It's almost as though they saw that. It's almost as though Hamas knew uh, what would happen. And the other great line of any of these conflicts is, we don't have to win, we just don't want to lose. If we don't lose, then it continues and this will continue. Um, yes, and we need to assess what happened exactly and why it happened. And I think I'm comparing Netanyahu in a lot of ways to Trump. He wants to stay in office. He doesn't want the Supreme Court to have the power that they have now. And uh, just like Trump wants to get elected to be able to keep from being well, thrown in jail, see, but, Netanyahu has a similar perspective. Uh, and look at the record. Since 2019, he was indicted. No, I understand all that. And I understand that this, the role of the courts, the role of the courts in Israel, and the, the demonstrations in the street, and there were people on both sides. There were people that wanted that, that have the position to court that they did. And um, Netanyahu has always been kind of a, a little bit of Joe Biden family corruption in him as well. But I, he's he's their guy. Hasn't been proven for Biden. Hasn't been proven. Oh, no indictment on. of Biden. I, uh, Jack. Netanyahu was Jack, indicted. Jack, with love, with love in my true heart. True or not true. Don't be yelling at me. True or not true. What? Netanyahu was Yes, indicted. he was. Now, you're, don't tell me. Now, okay. I, I, I said yes. Now, you're going to tell me that the Bidens are cherries. 
I'm not telling you then that. Let's stop I'm telling there. you that I'll Joe just, Biden has not been indicted. Netanyahu. Do you has. believe <laughs> we're doing a belief game here again? Do you believe that the entire Biden family, what's all talked about, they're a bunch of cherries and did nothing wrong? Because no, I, because I, well, then, then stop there. Then stop there. No, you brought it up, man. Jack. You brought it up in the argument. I countered. I brought it up with Trump. With and Trump, I agree. I, I, I told you there, there's there's no evidence of Netanyahu screaming that the elections were cooked and the rest of that stuff. So move off of that. How does this he end? He was indicted for corruption, oh, for accepting give me a bribes. Gun. All right, man. For getting bribes. All right, give me a gun. Joe, we got, how much time we got with Joe? Two minutes, Joe. It's all yours. Go ahead. Great. Well, <laughs> uh, Netanyahu is a sane actor. Give me a break. This is anyway, back to me. The, 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 the point I wanted to make, you asked, how does it end? Uh, I would recommend all your your readers out there go read God's Grand Finale okay. by Jeff Kinley, and and also watch Jimmy Evans' The Tipping Point. Uh, the world he predicted this war eleven months ago, by the way, and said that that this is this was what we were headed towards. The world is now aligning against Israel. That is predicted in the Bible, whether you like it or not. I don't, Peter. I don't. I know, but the, it is, and and only God's people and the people okay. that All follow right. that follow God are are going to stay mm. with Israel, and we need to. One of the things that 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 you I would recommend is if you really want to understand history, yes. the Bible is the best history that you could read. Well, Not the take uh, from you stop, just a second. Joe, the no, Washington stop, Post Joe. Guy. Stop, Joe. What is going on right now that actually begins at, during and right after the First World War was not biblical times. I, I apologize to you, but thank you. Um, the world is a relative place. It's like your mother-in-law. Coming up, and he's going to be by phone. I, I thought we we're going to have him in studio. Char- uh, uh, the book just titled Starkweather, which is about Charlie Starkweather, 19-year-old kid in it's January 1958, and he really does change the course of crime in our country. He murders the parents and the sisters of his 14-year-old girlfriend. But the end of this book, and this is what makes Harry so brilliant, he finds her. She was 14 when all of this happened. I think she was 79 when he went in that home, and I, I don't know where she is now. So uh, what do you want to do here, my boy? You want to... Wanna... All right, let's go to break. We'll come back. Starkweather. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 